So how's things, Matt? Um, I haven't seen you since our Nottingham trip a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, all good. It's uh, strange uh, to be talking now after the last time I saw you was in person. Yeah. That's our second ever real-life meeting, I think that was, wasn't it? Is it only our second? Yeah, I think I think you're right, yeah. I can't actually remember what the first was. Oh, it was the same event the year before. Yeah, that's right. That didn't yeah. take much thinking about. No, it's great to catch up and also meet some new people within our niche. Um, so we met Tim and Joe from the Restoration Couple for the first time. Um, they were great. And Matt Estley as well. Lovely bloke. We had a really good time. Um, so it was a kind of like a YouTube industry event, wasn't it? Yeah, very much a private event. They keep it quite secret and change the venue each year because um, not us, but there's some big names that go, so they like to keep it all private. But Nottingham, I was really impressed by. I'd never been before. Uh, I want to go back and go down the caves. I think you want to go back and go to the Cat Cafe again. Yeah, so we, we had a trip to the Cat Cafe, didn't we, Matt? We did. It was good. An amazingly vibrant place, wasn't it? Because you visit so many cities and towns within the UK nowadays and everything kind of feels a little bit humdrum and a little bit dead and, uh, you know, lots of closed shop fronts. But Nottingham had none of that, really. None of that. Lots of independent cafes and vintage clothes shops. And because it's a student population, it's just, yeah, we tried to go out for dinner. I think it was the Saturday night and we couldn't get in anywhere. Yeah. Um, everything was fully booked. It was really nice to see. I was off visiting family and went round to Hemel Hempstead Town Centre and it's just every other shop's boarded up. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's just depressing. Have you been up to much over the past couple of weeks? Obviously in Nottingham with you, then I came home for just over a week and then I think I went off and uh, visited family. I've only been back a few days. All I've been doing is either been away at these things or in the workshop because I'm so behind on videos. Mm. And I'm getting less and less motivated to work out there. The weather's gone horrible, cold. Yeah. And this is early November, so it's it's nothing yet. And I know it's going to be a real problem. It was raining yesterday and it was dark. And going out to the workshop and like, oh, standing there and it's cold. It's horrible. And I went out and set everything up. And then I went back in the house and did some work on the computer and didn't do any work in the workshop. And I really, really needed to. Oh. I'd, you've got to be in the right frame of mind to do it. Yeah, I'm struggling with the the whole right frame of mind thing as well. Less to do with the weather, though, and more to do with um, just struggling with motivation again. And it always seems to be this time of year, strangely. So maybe it has got something to do with the weather or the seasonal changes. But I'm finding at the moment that everything I touch turns to... I won't use expletive, but um, particularly with the house. Mm. It's just it's taking up all my time. When I was finishing up the catio, it started raining um, quite heavily. I was kind of doing the mad dash of trying to get all of my tools inside, as you do. And uh, I noticed that one of our downpipes on the bungalow was overflowing. Mm. So I thought, this is odd, because I always put those um, mesh things in the top so yeah. that you don't get leaves down there and stuff. So I knew it wasn't blocked. And also, we only had them replaced two years ago. So I took all of that apart and I found that the downpipe had literally just been sat on the ground. So it's just filling up with water, overflowing <laughs> at the top and overspilling. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just another example of a tradesman yeah. not doing the right thing. I mean, I'm not saying he deliberately sat it on the ground, but they were basically paid to replace all of the guttering mm. 
and downpipes as they were, and that's probably what he did. But why didn't he think to tell one of us that there wasn't a pipe? It wasn't leading to a pipe in the ground. Yeah. So anyway, I, I dug it all out, and about literally six inches of soil, I finally found a pipe that it was meant to be connected up to. That turned out to be blocked as well. So we, you know, we dug out what we could, and then we had a guy come round with his pressure washer and camera mm. uh, thing to try and unblock the pipe. He couldn't get it unblocked. So I've spent, I spent all day yesterday just messing about with redirecting all my gutters and and adding downpipes so that the water flows to a pipe that actually works. And and I shot a video on it as well because I thought. You know, you never really know when things like that could get interesting. Yeah. Um, I just feel like I'm not making enough impact on any of the tasks that really need to be done. And also, I guess there's added pressure again because anyone on YouTube will know that um, this time of year towards sort of middle to late December is is when you kind of make most of your money on YouTube because the advertisers are paying more. So I think that kind of adds pressure as well to kind of keep churning out the videos um, and, and since I had that kind of burnout thing last year which was sort of December January I've kind of been in the mindset of you know when I feel like that again I'm just going to stop working for a while until I feel motivated to do it again mm. that need to work is what causes me to burn out yeah yeah absolutely so vicious circle kind of thing I mean, you use the phrase churning out videos, and that's sometimes what it feels like. And I don't yeah. want to churn out videos. I mm. want to make videos I want to make how I want to make them. Yeah. But sometimes you've got other things going on, and you've just got two days to make a video. Yeah. And you don't enjoy doing it, and you don't know how happy with the result. And like, what do you do? Not put the video up and just miss a week. But as you say at the moment, this is where you make mostly money all year, mm. which you've budgeted for because your earnings would drop off hugely in January so yeah. you need the money uh, yes yeah, so the burnout thing is hard uh, yeah I'm feeling it too but I don't know what to do about it you, you mentioned kind of not feeling happy with your output and, and putting out a video that you don't feel good about do you ever shoot a video and then decide I'm not going to put it out because the, the reason I ask is I've, I've done two recently where I've just not been happy with the end results and I'm just not going to push them out well I did a vlog a few weeks ago and I filmed the bits of the camera just before I went away to see family and I looked at them and I was doing some bits of the camera talking to the camera and I just looked so depressed in them and it's it's a strange thing that if you just talk to the camera like me and you talking now you look really down yeah you've got to be quite cheery if hello welcome to yeah, my channel <laughs> if you do that you kind of just look normal on camera and yeah. to actually look happy, you've got to do cartwheels across the room. <laughs> so I looked and like, I can't put this up. It just looks so terrible. I didn't scrap the video, but I pretty much, I'd filmed all the B-roll, mm. but all the talking to camera bits, I redid the whole of them. And it's going to be a video that will have been out when this podcast goes up. It's about restoring a church chair, which I got at the auction at my mum's. And so it's mainly, instead of voicing over, I was just talking to the camera. And I did it over quite a few days. And all the footage was great the first two days. And then I must have changed the position of the clip-on microphone. And it's rubbing and you get that... Rustly sound. Rustly sound. But 
it's not a voiceover. I can't just re-record it. It's me talking to the camera halfway through. Actually, you're saying about burnout. I really enjoyed making two videos. The vases, mm. I enjoyed those. And what I've come to realise was I've been doing a lot of very practical things. Things that I've needed or things for the house or things that other people have asked me to make. And I like the problem solving and stuff, but there's no creativity in it. Mm. they're practical things with purpose these vases utilitarian kind of things yeah, yeah utilitarian for months and these vases were pure creative yeah crafty yeah. and I really enjoyed making them and I enjoyed the video I was kind of happy for days afterwards and like oh yeah that's kind of what I need to be doing more of and then I enjoyed the chair one no creativity it's knocking a chair apart and sanding it and putting some oil on but mm. i enjoyed the process of making the video because i was talking to the camera it was just a bit of fun i did those two videos in one week so i was super productive because i was enjoying it and then i tried for a third and i like got five minutes in and like no i just can't do it sometimes you push yourself too much and then you get burnt out as well so which is annoying because i was enjoying it and i should have just taken a couple of days off well not days off but it, it, what's nice about this is it's not just in the workshop all the time. You've got computer work to do and things. So yeah. you have that little break in between. But I imagine you were excited about the Cattery, weren't you? I was excited about the project. I was so excited about the project. Um, but I didn't enjoy it because it was at a time when all of my mental capacity was worrying about the roof. Mm. Because I, I was basically project manager for, for that whole project, I guess. Um and I had no experience in anything like that. And, and you know, I just found it completely overwhelming. So the catio should have really been a welcomed distraction and something that was exciting to do, but it wasn't. It just didn't feel right. And, and I got a comment last week on the video that, that actually really hurt me. <laughs> it, said, um, it said something along the lines of, I'm disappointed not to your usual standards or something like that. And that just completely... It was like a kick in the face. I just haven't been in the right frame of mind. I, I hadn't even hadn't even occurred to me that it was that comment that did it. But now we mm. talk about it, I've kind of realised that it was that comment that kind of has completely zapped all of my energy. But you know, people always say it's it's when people comment negatively and there's an element of truth in yeah. it that it really hurts you. That's why it hurts me because I know that that project should have been something that was really exciting to do. Working with chicken wire was awful. I never, ever want to do that again. I just didn't enjoy it. It's better just to block people, isn't it? And just ignore it. Because it is. It's, yeah. As you're saying, this comment you had has eaten away at you. Yeah. And like I say, like nine out of ten negative comments I get are genuinely water off a duck's back. Because, you know, I've been dealing with that stuff as we all have for so long now. It's just like, well, that just doesn't affect me. I don't, I really don't care what your opinion is. But then the one where there's an element of truth in, it's like they stick a dagger in you and then twist yeah. it kind of thing. But it's, it's not as if you it was you were doing like, oh, I just can't be bothered today. I'll just knock out some video. It was just sometimes things go wrong. Yeah. And that just happens to everyone. Because even if there's truth in it, that person did not have to leave that comment. You just wouldn't comment that. Would no. you? you just wouldn't do it. Yeah, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I've had this argument, someone was saying, like, do you just want positive comments? Like, I don't want positive comment, just positive comments, but I don't feel the need to be mm. horrible. Or even just people going, I didn't like that video. Like, well, that's 
fine, but why do you need to say that? Yeah, it's just unnecessary. Maybe I do just want positive comments. <laughs> I have people moan about the the green workshop, how they don't like it. And that just annoys me because I hate it too. You think I want to be working in a tent in the cold with horrible lighting? <laughs> It's, it's it's not like I'm doing it to punish my viewers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it just a, a annoys me. If I've got the, had the money, I would have a workshop. And I will have, hopefully, next year. So people pointing out things like that, just like, why are you doing that? <laughs> it's a real shame, though, isn't it, when you've got a project you're looking forward to and then you end up hating it. Mm. I guess, in a way, you were expecting that comment. And with the chair video that I really enjoyed making the video, mm. I'm expecting some negativity because it's not my usual kind of thing, like a restoration of a chair and the mic problems. So now I'm like, oh, something I was enjoying is going to be bad. But I, I love these old church chairs. They have the little shelf on the back for the hymn book to go on. But I've only got one chair that I'm sat on now. So if I ever have guests over, we uh, we can't sit and have dinner at the table. Mm. I want an eclectic mix. I want to get six chairs, but I would like them all to be six different chairs and maybe cool. all ones that are broken that I've done, fixed up or painted. Yeah. And I think that'd be a nice little thing. So I'm on chair two. I just need to keep, uh, keep the collection go- going <laughs> so I can make one friend at the moment, but no more. <laughs> You've done quite a lot of furniture restoration. Yeah, I I absolutely loved it for a, for a while, but again, I've I mean I've got three items of furniture that I picked up well over a year ago now that have been in our spare room waiting to be restored, and uh, I just don't have the appetite that I once had for doing them. Mm. Um, well, hopefully, it come again. I hope so. Yeah, it's just waiting for the right time. But in in the meantime, my wife every every day is like, "When are you going to get rid of these bits of furniture?" <laughs> It comes in waves, I feel, this, yeah. this this stuff. I don't even know what I'm making next week. Actually, I do. I'm making a toilet roll holder because I don't have one. I've just There's a windowsill next to the toilet. The, the toilet roll sits on the windowsill fine. It's one of those things that I think, oh, I'll get round to that one day. I could buy one, but why not? Wall-mounted or freestanding? Wall-mounted. And my idea is to make it out of oak because I've got an oak windowsill in there. Mm. And I was like, it's a really simple thing. So how can I make this an interesting video? I'm making it out of oak. I'm going to use an expensive table saw, expensive band saw, a £300 mitre gauge, which everyone can't believe it costs £300. Um, and then I thought, oh, you know what? I'll make exactly the same thing again out of a pallet and try and just use hand tools and a drill. Mm. And that would be the interesting hook to the video Almost I wasn't excited about making a toilet roll holder. It's been on my list pretty much since I moved into the house, but because it's so simple, I'm sure yeah. you have projects that have been on your list for years and you just keep knocking them down the list because you're not motivated to do it. Hello, Matt here. It takes us quite a lot of time to prepare and produce each episode of this podcast and we'd like to keep putting it out for free. If you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to help support and shape future episodes, you can find a link to our Patreon page in the show notes or just search online for Workshop Banter Patreon. Thank you, and now back to the podcast. The end is in sight, I feel, now of the new workshop and art. So are you still thinking kind of April, May time to make a start on the build? I think I started my mum's garden room the end of March, which in my head I thought sounded really early. 
weather was lovely. I remember it was pretty much, I was wearing a hoodie, I think, at the start, but by the end of the build, it was T-shirt weather. Mm. But you've got to play it by ear. Could be snow on the ground, could be gale force winds. I'm going to get the base, not the base, the, the groundwork done, because the base is already made. It's already, I'm standing on it in the workshop. Yeah. And then I think I'll get the materials. It might be I'll get them all delivered and they're all stacked up in my living room or something, mm. uh, which I can cope with for a few weeks, make everything damp, I'm sure. But yeah, just so keen to get it up. It's, it's going to be a whole new income stream for me, which we might talk about on a future podcast on like making money. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a huge motivating factor. Not being cold, maybe from the luxury of my last workshop, having the wood burner, to go mm. to this I'm just I'm getting soft in my old age <laughs> do you know where you're going to get the materials yet oh, I'm assuming Travis Perkins yeah because I put them all into my basket to cost it mm. and I think to get the basic frame up was going to be about two grand yeah and it's like oh that's less than I thought actually I mean it's much closer to what prices were a few years ago with the discount we get is that four by twos? Four by twos because I did three by twos before and put 50 mil rock wool in. Yeah. And with a four by two, you can't quite go up to 100 mil, but they do 75 mil. So I thought a 50% increase yeah. is going to make a difference. And then maybe if I want to, I can do that and then see what the acoustic properties are like. Yeah. And then if I need more, I can get acoustic plasterboard. Nice. To sheet. I'd rather not use plasterboard because I don't think it's the most practical solution for a workshop. Yeah. Because as soon as you bash something against the wall, you've put a hole in it. You can get the stuff for cars, like the rolls of really high density rubber. Yeah. Um, that's like only five mil thick. So really, I could get any sheathing I wanted and just stick this rubber to the back of it. Mm. But again, I, I'm less concerned about noise than I think I used to be. Yeah. I was always really worried about making noise in my old workshop. And then I kind of realised if I had the planar thickness and an extractor running and I walked down my garden path and shut the door, like you couldn't hear a single thing. Mm. So even if it was a low rumble, it's not really upsetting anyone. It's always the weak points of the doors and the windows. So the door, oak tongue and groove door, which I've been given by the, the builder in Hampshire, um, lovely bit of wood, but it had a slight twist or warp to it so in the frame it never Sat closed kind of yeah thing. yeah as i'm going to make my own doors maybe out of four by twos or three by twos and put the insulation in the in the doors mm. and i make my might make shutters for the windows yeah uh on the inside which are insulated so well, and the problem won't be shutters what i'm thinking is i just make panels the size of the windows with the insulation in and if I want to close the windows off, I can just put these panels into the window recesses and clip them in place, uh, cut the sound out. But also, if you go away, it's you've you've eliminated the weak points of the windows. Yeah. You don't save that much by going for three by twos over four by twos. No. And that might be a hundred pounds, I should think, in the cost of the workshop. Like, ah, oh, you lose a bit of floor space, obviously, but not much. I think I'd rather. I'd rather have the insulation. It's worth it's, it just for that extra bit of insulation, definitely. Yeah. yeah. For acoustic and for warmth. Yeah. I could do the computer stuff in the workshop. Yeah. And just heat that. And because it's just out the back door, the Wi-Fi will work, and I hear the doorbell, and I just want to make it a nice space. I might get an armchair for in there or 
mm. something and um, perfect for recording podcasts and editing and have a wood burner. What was your workshop like when we had, I'm sure we've discussed this already, like the 40 degree days? It never gets hot in there. No, because you've insulated it well. Yeah, Yeah. It, it really, it always stays really cool. Yeah. Sometimes it's 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 a bit unpleasant because <laughs> mm. on a on a nice hot day you walk in there and it's like ooh <laughs> yeah but it, equally it's um it's really nice to be able to work and not get really over hot kind of thing yeah that's that's the thing I think a lot of people don't think about with the insulation is it works both, both ways. ways yeah <laughs> it only keeps a building warm if there's a heat source in there yeah really but um. Yeah, it keeps it cool in summer, and that would be great, because my workshop, the tent, was just... If there's sun on it, it'd be a few degrees hotter than it is outside. So yeah. when it was 30-something degrees, it was just insane in there. So I haven't told you my one bit of exciting news, but on Sunday we picked up a new cat. Ooh, Hazel, who's uh, in the room now, I've set up a bed in my office. So you're always talking about how you're, you know, you've got all tools in your kitchen and stuff like yeah. that. My my house is equally crazy at the moment because I've got a bed in my office. When you get a new cat, you have to kind of keep them separate and mm. uh, introduce them slowly and everything. So because she's new to the house, she's kind of meowing all night and she's a little bit uh, confused as to what's going on and she only had an operation a few days ago as well when she was spayed. So so I saw a tabby walk in front of the camera and Did I didn't you? even clock. Oh. <laughs> That's how um, awake I am this morning. <laughs> if she wakes up, I'll go grab her and show her to the camera, but she's, uh, she's delightful. So this is a rescue cat? Yeah, another rescue cat. Yeah, she was found in a meadow, so they called her Meadow. But we didn't really like that name, so we've uh, we've called her Hazel. Um, oh, it's a good woodworker's name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Hazel's just appeared. So. Oh, I can see the tail. Show her to the camera. Oh, Hazel. she's very pretty. Yeah, she's going to be a star. She's got beautiful green eyes. She's lovely. So I saw a video. It's a video by Drew Build Stuff. It's called Odie's versus Osmo versus Rubio. It was a good video. He, he made this uh, kind of chopping board with an epoxy inlay type thing, um, mm. almost like a river table, but as a chopping board. And he tested out these three finishes for durability, staining, water stains, things like that. Fantastic video, really good. Um, and a surprising winner, which was the Odie's oil. Oh. Um, and I thought, I was thinking to myself, you know, Rubio and Osmo are going are gonna to win this one kind of thing. Yeah. But they didn't. And I've probably mentioned before that I've always found Osmo to come across as a company in a bit of a cocky kind of way. And I thought, I wonder, wonder if any of the brands have commented on this video. So I scrolled down. Top comment was from Osmo Canada. In order to achieve full stain resistance with Osmo, it is advisable to roll or brush the finish onto the surface and allow it to dry without buffing away the excess. So I read that sentence and I thought, well, that kind of contradicts everything I've ever known about Osmo because I thought hard wax oils were meant to be applied super thinly which is why I've always applied them and then wiped away the excess I'm sure that's what it says on the tin that's what I thought that's exactly mm. what I thought um so it goes on to explain you know basically that the reason his test failed is because he applied it thinly mm. so basically they're saying you need to apply it on by brush not wipe it away to get full durability 
And I kind of thought to myself, well, if I did that with Osmo, it would take hours, if not days, to dry. Mm. Even if it's a hot day, it's still going to take a long time to dry. Anyway, they've given this long list of instructions. Um, Drew Build Stuff commented back saying, thanks for getting in touch. I'll try the method outlined above and re-upload the video. So mm-hmm. I don't know if he's uploaded that yet. I don't think he has, so I'll look forward to seeing that in future. But then there's this long thread of conversation from there that goes on with other people getting involved. One of the top comments is from somebody called Craigula Joe Woodworking. And he's put, if you need 250 plus words to describe how to use your finish, you're doing something wrong. This comparison <laughs> is within reason, fair and accurate. You can see that. Being told that someone read your label five times is evidence of the customer's experience, which you failed to acknowledge in your two comments. In fact, it reflects poorly on your company that you are dismissing his observation. As an additional example, I am now turned off Osmo as a result of the condescending comments. And anyway, I'm not going to read through every comment on this thread, but if anyone's interested in it, I'd I'd highly recommend checking it out because I, I think it's really interesting. The other thing that really struck me as amusing was in every comment that that Osmo Canada write in this thread, they say that if you need any advice, you should call this number. Mm. And, you know, people are saying, surely you should just put the, you know, the information on the can. Yeah, it's a wood finish. Yeah, Yeah. it shouldn't be that complicated. I've just looked up on Wood Finishes Direct, which I've used a few times, uh, how to apply Osmo. Mm -hmm. Apply first, coat thinly and evenly, and then step two remove any surplus oil and leave to dry uh, dry for eight to ten hours well there we go then that's and then a second thin coat so this is what i imagine they've pulled this information off the osmo website because it seems to be whenever i've bought osmo or look up osmo wood finish direct seems to be the first result so yeah I mean, Rubio Monocoat, I imagine, is even more complicated, isn't it? Because have you gone to their open day thing? No, I've been invited quite a few times I've now, been invited, but... but if you've got to do a training course to apply a wood finish... I'm interested to see it. I really am, because I, I would love to, to go down and, and, and see how it works. You know, I find that stuff really interesting, but equally, I can never see myself buying a can of Rubio Monocoat. And yes, I could probably get a free can or or whatever but i don't want to be using a product that's that high-end and expensive i just think it's unapproachable for the vast majority of makers oh people were mad at me for having an expensive mitre gauge Mm. wood finishes yeah i think even more so it's so expensive i mean odie's oil is expensive though it is very expensive, especially for the quantity you get. For the quantity. And I think, considering they say it's all natural product, which they don't say what it actually is, I don't think. I bet mm. it's not very complicated. I've never seen a true definition of what Odie's oil is. No. But I'm assuming it's also a hard wax oil. Mm. I must admit, though, I was pretty disappointed to see Odie's win after all of the Odie's uh, controversy that's been going on. Basically, the owner of Odie's Oil, he made a few flippant comments, didn't he, about that, that came across as very arrogant and kind of um, anyone doing woodworking in a garage. Um, yeah, with a baseball cap on. Yeah, kind of not, upset not a, a real wood, Yeah, his product's only for professionals, not for... Yeah, that's right. But the video didn't even say Odie's was bad. He just, I think he can 
paired Rubio Monocote, Monocote and Odis. And in his opinion, he preferred Rubio. Yeah. He wasn't saying anything bad about the product, but the owner, yeah, had a whole big public argument, which yeah. didn't do him any favours. I mean, I used to love Danish oil until I realised what it was. A few people had commented, you should wear gloves. And I was like, oh, I thought it was just a, a natural oil. And it's not. It's got drying agents and all that. In, and Danish oil is like a generic term. Is it boiled in linseed oil and varnish or something yeah, like that? Yeah, basically. So, but I think everyone has their own formula for it. There's no science behind it being called Danish oil. Basically, no. you can put whatever you want in it and it's still you yeah. can still brand it as Danish oil or something. So I've moved to pure tongue oil, which takes ages to dry. Yeah, do not do this at home. But in theory, I think you could eat it. Yeah, I've actually used pure tongue oil for the first time a couple of weeks ago on on a project that that butcher's box project. Right, I was really impressed with it. Oh, has that been out the butcher's box video? Not yet. No. Oh, I was going to say I thought I'd missed it. I have been away a lot. I missed a lot of things, and I just like using less chemicals and more natural stuff. Yeah, it's totally food safe, isn't it? Totally food safe, but it offers more protection than mineral oil which actually mineral oil is what was i watching oh i was having a go at making candles using um paraffin wax paraffin wax and mineral oil are the same product are they really apparently so mineral oil is actually a petrol chemical kind of byproduct yeah as tongue oil is plant-based so i'm much more into plant-based it, but it's complicated isn't it because the boiled linseed oil is toxic but pure linseed oil people drink as a health supplement really yeah i never knew that yeah you can buy it like linseed oil in health food shops oh right and you can use it as a wood finish but the boiled linseed oil i think has the drying agents in so that it dries much quicker Mm. So it's yes, yeah, it's, it's well. You're more into this than me. I love oil-based finishes because well, you can. I do brush them on a lot of the time, but then you just buff them off with a cloth. You don't have any drips or runs or yeah. to do a nice varnish coat. In fact, when I was in Hampshire, I sanded down the bar and did it over four days. Varnish build up. You know how they want the real gloss shine on a wooden bar top in a pub, and it's just so much work and so messy. I love that kind of work, though. I know, I really I know you would. I hate that kind of work. As, as I think if I was to do it now, I would finish it with more of a, a hard wax oil yeah. rather than varnish. You could get a gloss one and it'd be so much easier. And I'd probably get it done in half the time mm. rather than leaving it almost 24 hours between coats. Yeah. It was a real... And sanding varnish down in between, just it's messy, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not into it. I like I like my oil finishes. They're just so idiot proof. I like them as well. They definitely look and feel nicer on the wood. My one problem with them is the the yellowing effect. Like on if I use them on beech or pine or something like that, I just don't like yeah amber color tone that it adds to the wood. No, I totally agree with that. But they are nice on oak or walnut or something like that. With oak, peely. yeah. It's weird because oak, that warmth in oak looks really yeah, nice. it's what you want. Yeah, whereas on pine it just looks cheap and nasty for some reason. Why is that? I know Sapili's your favourite mm. and I made the vases and it's, it's a nice looking weird wood, um, just raw. 
but yes. the colour change you get when you put the oil on that is just lovely. It really it is really dramatic. Is. I'm going to look up Odie's oil because you said you've got some, haven't you? Yeah, they sent me some a while back. I have used it a couple of times, but when I heard about that whole thing that you sent me a link to on Instagram, can you remember whose profile that was on, just in case anyone wants to check it out? I can probably find it, because if I sent it to you on Instagram, we don't communicate much on Instagram, so it's probably I'll the put, last I'll, thing I sent you. I'll put a link to it in the show notes if we can find it. But yeah, it's it's worth uh, seeing that, because um, it kind of gives you a whole new perspective on, on the company, unfortunately. When things like that come about, you, it can completely put you off of using a product, can't it? Because it, it, that, that one person's opinion, the director of the company, whoever it might be, tarnishes the whole brand. And, and I, you know, and now I certainly never want to use that product now, even though it performed best in this particular video that I was talking about. Yeah. But if he'd have commented going, oh, thank you for the review. Um, yo, I'm, I'm sorry that you didn't find the product uh, was the winner, but we, we think it's great uh, and it has these advantages or something. You could, you could, it's the tone, isn't it? Not just going, yeah. you're wrong. It's just being professional kind of thing. Yeah. So what have you been watching? Oh, well, Farmcraft 101, DIY 20-inch disc sander build. I can't remember, I watched this uh, a few months ago because I think it was adding a disc sander to a lathe. So I know you've got a disc sander, but I've got no stationary sanding machines at the moment. Yeah. And I'd quite like some but it's having space and I'd quite like a lathe. So I quite like the idea of having a lathe and then putting a face plate with a sanding disc on so that one machine does two things. Yeah. But he's got some interesting farmy engineering videos. What have you been watching? I think I mentioned in my last vlog video on my YouTube channel that I was struggling to get recommendations for YouTube channels and since then, I've just had an influx of emails from people that watch woodworking videos just recommending channels, 90% of which I'm already subscribed to and I'm already familiar with. But one of the recommendations came through from our friend Carl at Strawboat Workshop, a channel called Sawyer Design. The video he sent me a link to was called Gaming Desk Build. And this desk has everything. I mean, it's curves, impressive joinery, inlays, veneering, it's such a good project. I kind of watched the whole thing from start to finish and just thought this is this is like really good stuff. So yeah, Sawyer Design, Gaming Desk Build. Also Strawbite Workshop's a good channel. Excellent, yes. Yeah, you should check out Strawbite Workshop. Should call that a day then? Yeah, nice to chat to you. I feel a lot happier now than I did when we started. Oh, Sorry well, if I was good. a bit morbid at the start. No, but... no, we all, I, I'm, I've been really struggling. I had a couple of weeks, but I, as I say, I did that video and I looked back like, I can't use any of this footage. Mm. I mean, I didn't feel depressed, but clearly it, it wasn't. came across anyway. Yeah, it came <laughs> yeah. across anyway yeah. as I feel better. And actually, I'm, I didn't want to go in the workshop yesterday, but now I'm going to jump up and go in the workshop. So that's really good. Thank you for listening. You can find Keith on YouTube by searching for Rag N Bone Brown and me by searching for Badger Workshop. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to help support us in making future episodes of the podcast. Link to that in the show notes. And we have a Workshop Banter Instagram and Facebook page if you'd like to get in touch, which is at Workshop Banter, all one word. 